Thank you for your obedience to go. Thank you for uh, all that you're doing. Well, this morning I get to bring the message, and we're going to continue with the series, God Help Me. And today we're going to talk about God Help Me Refocus. So let's go ahead and pray and uh, as we get into this message. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to share the word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive. It's powerful. It helps us. We pray, God, help me, but your word helps us. And Father, as we open your word, it's alive for us, and it's a real word for us today. And so, Father, I pray that we'll receive it, that we'll get all that you have for us this morning, that our hearts will be open, our minds will be open, our spirits will be open to receive and grow from this word today. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to go over to Psalm 84, and you can go there with me. Um, Psalm 84 is a beautiful psalm, and as we go into this message this morning, God help me refocus, um, we're really relying on the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts and and help us to uh, love him, help us to have this same kind of devotion that this psalm has. It's such a beautiful one, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified It says this, How lovely are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul yearns, yes, even pines, and is homesick for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out and sing for joy to the living God. Yes, the sparrow has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who dwell in your house and your presence. They will be singing your praises all the day long. Selah. Pause and calmly think about that. Think about singing his praises all the day long. And then it goes on and it says, Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of weeping, Baca, and they make it a place of springs. The early rain also fills the pools with blessings. They go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah, pause and calmly think about that. Behold our shield. The king as your agent, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper and stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell at ease in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor and future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who trusts in you, leaning and believing on you, connecting, or commuting, excuse me, committing all and confidently looking to you, and that without fear or misgiving. So we read all of this psalm, and it's kind of long, but it's totally worth it. It's a psalm of love and devotion. It's a psalm that comes from the heart of someone who says the highways of heaven are in their heart. I love that. 
And the way that he speaks, he says, my soul yearns for you. There's such passion in this. Pastor Mark has been bringing us this message about uh, God help me follow the Holy Spirit and how we can follow him. And it's a very intimate dance. And, and it's that place of intimacy. And today we're going to talk about how we're going to refocus our attention on him to that intimate place. And there's three keys, key ingredients really, in this psalm that we're going to focus on today. And they are praise, prayer, and gratitude. Throughout this psalm, you'll see that. There is praise, there is prayer, and there is gratitude. And when we have those three key ingredients in our lives, or we could even call them habits in our lives, then we really set ourselves up for success. And it's not that the person who wrote this doesn't go through something. They do, because they talk about it. But they don't talk all about that. They talk all about him. And as we focus on him, it takes us through things and into what God has for us. And so these are keys. And we could even say they're keys to success. We could say that they give us the competitive advantage in life. We could say they're the X factor. You've heard that, right? <laughs> we could say it's the critical success factor or the essential ingredient for success. You know, as I was thinking about this, uh, you could even say they're the special sauce to our life, right? You know, to all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed <laughs> bun, right? <laughs> what makes you go back for a Big Mac time after time? because of the special sauce. It sets it apart. It makes it good. It keeps you coming back. And then there's the secret spices in the Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? And you keep going back. We don't even know what they are. They are under lock and key. It's a secret. We'll never know what they are, not unless you own the company. But, and then there's Bush's Beans. You know, only the dog knows the secret, right? <laughs> All of those things. They keep us coming back because there's a secret ingredient. And this psalmist has found the secret ingredient to keeping life wonderful, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied. Well, why? These are the three things we're going to look at. Praise, prayer, and gratitude. And in this psalm that we read, these key ingredients really reveal that we can go from strength to strength. We can pass through difficulties. We can increase in power. We can live in grace and glory, as he says. And we can be that blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied person. It doesn't mean that we never encounter a trial. It means we know what to do when trials come. And we go through those trials in victory. So let's talk about praise. Praise is what gets us through a storm. We don't get stuck in the middle because we choose to refocus with praise. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. We're going to look at this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, the afflicted. He has set me, sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, the opening of the prison, prison and the eyes of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland or a diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. You know, I love this. He says, he's qualified me to preach a message, a message that'll lift you from the ashes of mourning, that'll give you joy, that'll be a garment that you can put on. And praise really is that. It's a garment that we put on. God doesn't do it for us. We have to put on praise. And it's very much like that. I'm so happy that we all put on nice clothes today, right? We put something on. Or maybe you put on something that someone suggested for you. Well, the psalmist is so good to suggest that we put on praise. And we do that. He doesn't do it for us. So we choose to put on praise. When things are hard, when things are difficult, we choose to put on praise. And praise will transform our situation. We even see that here. It's transforming because God inhabits his praises. God inhabits the praises of his people. So where he is praised, he comes into that situation. And he begins to do things that only he can do because we praise him. So if Satan has endeavored to destroy our life, and really every one of us could raise our hand this morning and give a testimony of even maybe what the devil did in the last hour, right? <laughs> to try and keep us from church, or what he did this year, or what he did last year, or the year before that we might even still be holding on to. How do we get through that? Well, part of it is we have to choose to praise. We have to praise. If we're trapped in fear, fear will hold us down, but praise will loose us from that trap. If we're trapped in offense, praise will bring us through that place where we can pray for someone, where we can love them in spite of what has happened, and we can come to a place where we want the best for them, praising him. Well, that just seems so simple. You know, it's much more complicated than that. Actually, it's not. It's actually not. It's actually that simple. If we're experiencing a tragedy or have, if we're walking through a hard place, how do we get through it? Well, the psalmist says, we praise. You know, oftentimes in hard times, we want to ask God, well, why? Why? Why is this happening? Why? But that's never the right question. You know, one of my friends, we were in a meeting, and she said, why is never the right question? And I thought about it. Why? Why is why never the right question? <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, kids always ask that. Why? Why? Why is never the right question? Because it makes us begin to question the character of God. But when we look to him, when we start to ask him, what have you done, Lord? When we ask him, what have you said, Lord? What are you telling me to do right now, Lord? How am I going to get through this, Lord? Well, he'll lead us to praise. And when we praise him, we come through. Why gets us stuck? But when we come to him and we begin to talk about who he is, when we begin to praise, it changes things. Why? Because we're refocusing. <laughs> God, help me refocus this morning. I'm not going to look at the problem. I'm going to praise through the problem. 
And I, when I praise through the problem, it really literally takes me through the problem. So we praise in the difficulty. And what does that do? Well, it makes us trust God. It makes us trust him. And one thing that we see in this psalm, he is trusting God. He is trusting him. He has all of his life invested. He longs for that place with God. He knows that that's his place where he goes from strength to strength, where uh, the dry place becomes a spring. There's so much that happens when we praise. So when we praise, things turn around. We let him transform our hard times by inviting his presence in with praise. Um, this is one thing uh, that I heard recently, and I really loved it. Um, praise is just about loving his presence. It's about realizing that I am fed by his presence. It's inviting him into my life and letting him change it. Uh, but this is what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, God made us. He invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God has designed the human machine to run on himself. Don't you love that? God designed us to run on himself. He's the food for us. And it goes on and it says that. It says, he himself is the fuel for our spirits they were designed to burn, or the food for our spirits we were designed to feed on. There is no other and that is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because there is none. <laughs> Don't you love that? This psalmist figured that out. There is nothing except him in my life, and so I will praise him. We see this key in Psalm 84.4, and we read it. It says, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are those who dwell in your house and in your presence. They will be singing your praises all the day long. And then it says, just stop for a minute, Selah, and think about that. Pause and think about that. What would it be like if I was singing his praises all the day long? How would that transform the irritations, the things that start to, you know, become uh, nitpicky things that I focus on? What if I refocused and I was praising him all the day long? What would that look like? You know, we should just try it out. <laughs> Try it out one day. Try it out today. Try it out tomorrow. Try it out all week long. And then he says this. He says, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man whose strength is in you. You know, when we focus on everything else, it zaps our strength. But he says, my strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, passing through the valley of weeping. Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early Rain fills the pools with blessings. They go from strength to strength. You know, basically, I have this picture of, you know, just like that guy, running from mountaintop to mountaintop. That's strength to strength right there. Strength to strength. Don't, not having to dwell in the valleys, just going from strength to strength. Why? Because we have a heart of praise to him. One person said this. They said, praise is the music of a healthy soul. I love that. 
Praise is the music of a healthy soul. And you know, you don't even have to be a singer to be praising him all the day long. Last night, oh, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you where Pastor Mark is. He's in Meeker this morning. So he came here for prayer. You probably thought he was staying, but no, he left. And <laughs> he is in Meeker this morning ministering the message there. And then I'm here today. Uh, but so last night, we were uh, in the bathroom getting ready for bed. And I was in the shower singing a song, and he came in singing a different song. And I was like, why are you singing that song? I'm singing this song. Sing what I'm singing. And he's like, no, you sing what I'm singing. And anyway, we were both praising with conflicting praise. So <laughs> I ended up singing his song, you know. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> All right, so praise. Praise. Uh, is one of the key ingredients. It's part of the secret sauce that sets us apart. And then there's prayer. Now, I'm not talking about prayer that says, you know, God, when will this be over? When will this end? When will things get better? Not that kind of prayer. No, I'm talking about prayer that is Holy Spirit-led. I'm talking about prayer where we connect with him. Prayer that we even call it praying in other tongues. Prayer that builds us on the inside. Prayer that keeps us and helps us to go through the storm. That's the kind of prayer that I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says this. It says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because the Holy, in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. See, prayer in other tongues makes us sensitive, and it makes us sensitive to God. We're able to hear him. We sharpen ourselves. We sharpen our spirit when we pray in other tongues. So it makes us sensitive to the spirit of God. Praying in other tongues puts us in the realm of answers. It puts us into that realm where we're listening and where we're receiving. And I'll talk about that more in just a second. Um, it puts us into the place where our prayers are praying out something, but it's not something that we know, it's something that God knows. We already know all the things, and we could tell him all the things that happened, right? We know it all, but we want to pray something that's higher than that. And when we pray in other tongues, he really lifts us up to his level of knowledge and of prayer and of answers. And we're in the place of receiving those, so when our spirit is open, we're getting answers. We're interpreting even the things that we're praying. So mysteries that are prayed out can be walked out, and Pastor Mark said that last week. Mysteries that are prayed out can be walked out. And when we pray out mysteries, we're also planting seeds for our future because we're praying out the things that God sees. And he doesn't just see right now like we do. He sees the future of what he's called us to. So that's what we begin to pray out. In this place of prayer, we are waiting sometimes, and we're praying because we're waiting on him. We're worshiping. We're praying, and we're worshiping him without even knowing we're worshiping. You know, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they went out into the streets, and it says that they were magnifying and glorifying God. They were worshiping him. But we're also doing warfare. We're doing warfare in the heavenlies and in things that we don't even realize because we're praying what God wants prayed out. So Romans 8.26 says this. It says, so too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up 
in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. So I said he prays from his knowledge, not from our knowledge are we praying. We're praying from his knowledge. We don't have to figure something out. We pray it out. We don't have to think it out. We pray it out. We don't have to dwell on how we're going to fix it. We pray it out. We plant those seeds, and now we come upon them, and they're already producing because we prayed it out. And you can pray out into your future. The Holy Spirit knows, and it says he bears us up in our weakness. What's our greatest weakness? Well, we're not spiritual. We don't know everything. But guess what? God does. So he helps us to pray. He helps us. So I was thinking about this and getting things ready on Friday night, and I had this thought. I had this thought, and so I sent a text off to one of my friends, Dr. Avery Jackson. He's a neurosurgeon. He knows a lot about the brain. So I sent a text, and I said, uh, Dr. Avery and Kara, his wife, uh, hope you guys are doing good. I have a curious question about what goes on in your brain when we pray in other tongues. So he texted me back. He said, do you have time for a phone call? I said, absolutely, do you? You're the neurosurgeon. I mean, I'm just getting ready for my message. He's really busy. Anyway, he called me, and this is what he relayed to me. So he tells me that uh, prayer in tongues is not a small thing. It's a really big thing. And God designed us so that we would pray in other tongues, and it would completely bypass us, and we would connect with the Holy Spirit. He says science is one of God's languages. And he told me this. He said, Dr. Andrew Newberg, Newberg in 2006, did a study on individuals who were praying in other tongues. He actually put them in a spec scanner to see their brain activity. He found that the blood flow and the brain activity was very different than normal, normal speaking, thinking, talking. When we're normally speaking, thinking, and talking, and even praying normally, the part of the brain that is active is the frontal lobe. But when we pray in other tongues, they found that the parietal lobe and the other parts of the brain were lit up and active. These are the parts of the brain that are receptive. So as I began to, to talk to him and process this so that I could understand it, because I'm not a neurosurgeon, uh, I said, so we're receiving. We're not thinking about what we're going to say. We're receiving what we're going to say. He said, yes, and it goes far beyond that. He said that the brain is in a state of learning and receiving when we pray in tongues. We're not thinking about what we will say. We're receiving what we will speak. And because the, of the parts of the brain that are at rest during prayer in other tongues, we should literally not be able to make sounds and words. And yet, because we are yielding to the Holy Spirit and he is praying through us, we are having a scientific spiritual interface with the Holy Spirit. I loved that when he said that. So then he said, uh, prayer in other tongues is a vocal miracle. It's a vocal miracle. And God gave that to us so we could bypass our knowledge and really tap into his. Well, then Dr. Carl Peterson, 
said this. He said, as we engage in our heavenly language, the brain releases two chemical secretions that are directly that are directed to our immune systems, giving it a 35 to 40% boost in the immune system. Can you imagine? It says this promotes healing within our bodies. Amazingly, this secretion is triggered from a part of the brain that has no other apparent activity in humans and is only activated by spirit-led prayer and worship. Why is it the secret sauce? Why? Because God designed us that way to build ourselves up, to help us, to make us overcome, to go from strength to strength and glory to glory, to live in grace and glory. He designed us that way. And then Dr. Carl Peterson went on and he says this, as we exercise our life in the spirit by speaking in our heavenly language, he has, that he has put within us, we are touching the supernatural power of God and we are letting him restore a part of us that was lost. Do you know that that was the part of us that was connected and disconnected at the fall? And when we pray in other tongues, we are res in restoration to the full relationship that God wanted us to have from the very beginning? Oh my goodness. He goes on to say this, we know from the word of God that there is a true joy that builds and sustains. Nehemiah tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. There is joy in the presence of Jehovah. We as believers, having entered into that wonderful presence of the Lord, know this to be true. What we must continue to remember is that the joy of the Lord spoken of in the word is so much more than any manifestation. You know, sometimes we focus on the manifestations of the Spirit and we think that they're awesome, and they are. But God manifesting joy in you in the midst of your trial because you praise Him and you pray in other tongues is just as powerful. It's so powerful. And He says we can truly have that unspeakable joy in the face of any trial that we encounter if our joy is grounded in a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's what Psalm 84 is all about, being grounded in the knowledge of who he is, being grounded, feet planted, fixed, firm. And I love what Jude says. Jude 1, verse 20 says this, but you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. Make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus. You know, when we pray in other tongues, we are guarding ourselves, we're keeping ourselves in the love of God, and we're building ourselves up. No wonder, this is part of the secret sauce, that keeps us sharp, sensitive, happy, blessed in the midst of everything. And then the third one is this, gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is changing our focus from us to him. That's what gratitude is all about. And you can be grateful and have gratitude for a lot of things, but what we're talking about is gratitude to our Father. It's refocusing from ourselves to him. And notice how many times in Psalm 84 where he says, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied, is the person who's going through a trial and yet chooses to look to the Lord. 
When we have gratitude to him, when we have gratitude working in our life, there's other things that are happening in our body. WebMD says this. <laughs> yeah, WebMD. It says, it isn't always possible to change your circumstances, but you can change where you focus your mind and your heart. And that's what we're talking about. God, help me. Help me what? Help me refocus. Help me refocus on you so that my life can be good, so that my life can't be dictated by up one day, down another, circumstances, things that happen, the economy, the people who are irritating me, or you know, getting uh, things that, that, that I want, yet they're getting them. You know, whatever it is, no, we refocus. You can focus your mind and your heart, and they said, what is gratitude? Gratitude is being aware and thankful for the good things that you have. The good things are not necessarily material possessions. They can be relationships, situations, or anything positive in your life. Gratitude is a feeling that might come to you spontaneously, but it's also a daily practice that you can cultivate. That's what WebMD says. <laughs> a daily practice that you can cultivate. How do we have a life that is so full of devotion like this psalm, Psalm 84? Well, it really begins with devotions. <laughs> when we have our devotion time with the Lord, we spend time loving him. We spend time in his presence. We spend time being grateful for what he has done and who he is. Then we have reasons to praise him all the day long. And then we're praying. And guess what? Our life is growing. In the midst of things that would happen that would try and hold us down, we're rising to the top. We're rising. It's called consecration. <laughs> consecration which is not something we always want to focus on, but here's the impact of this kind of devotion, consecration, focused practice of gratitude. The practice of gratitude can have significant positive impact physically and psychologically. Some of the benefits include better sleep. We could all use that. <laughs> better immunity, higher self-esteem, decreased stress, lower blood pressure, less anxiety and depression, stronger relationships, higher levels of optimism. You think God knew something? <laughs> God knew. God wants us to be happy, blessed, fortunate people that are envied by everyone else, and yet they could do the exact same thing. Loving him sets us apart. Consecration is the setting aside of something less for something that is more. It's that simple. You know, uh, we were driving to Lake Powell just a few weeks ago, and uh, I happened to be driving this time. Usually I'm like on my phone. I'm trying to get the last bit of work in before we run out of service, and I'm not looking around. And it's such a beautiful drive. And this time, there were so many red flowers beside the road. They were beautiful. And we got there, and I said to everybody else, I was like, did you notice all the flowers coming up here? Oh, my gosh. Well, a lot of times I'm looking at something that's important. I'm looking at something important. I have to do work. I have to send that email. I have to send that you know, message. That's important, but it's lesser. When we lift our eyes to the greater, the Bible says lift up your eyes to where your help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, man. He's so much greater, so much greater. 
Lift up our eyes. You know, I said uh, a couple Sundays ago, the number one reason why people were leaving the church was shifting priorities. But you know what? It goes both ways. The number one reason why people come back is shifting priorities. (laughs) And when we make him our priority, when we consecrate, when we have that devotion and love for him, for his presence, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul yearns, yes, even pines and is homesick for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out and sing for joy to the living God. Why? Because he found a home there. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who dwell in your house and your presence. Wow. They are singing your praise all the day long. All day long. Philippians 1.9 says this. It says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more, and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. See, when we grow in love, it's because we know him more. We know him more. And then he says this, something else happens. In verse 10, it says, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value recognizing the highest and the best. Consecration isn't always about stopping something that's bad. It's about choosing something that's better. (laughs) And he says here that we can learn through our love of him growing to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value. I'll tell you, the things of the spirit are of real value real value. Praise, prayer, and gratitude. These are key ingredients, and like I've said, they're the secret sauce, (laughs) the secret spice, the special sauce, whatever it is that we want to say. But really what they're doing is they're helping us to focus and grow in love with him. And when we're totally in love with him, there's something that happens we begin to set our house in order and we put our priorities in order so that we're ready for him. You know, he's coming back for a bride. Uh, Mark and I were watching Family Feud the other night, you know, when you're flipping through the channels and like you just can't find anything good to watch. And so we saw Family Feud. I said, oh, just put it on that. So we're watching Family Feud and Steve Harvey is reading the questions and he's always so funny when he's reading them. He reads this question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how happy were you on your wedding day? And I thought, oh gosh, this is a setup. (laughs) So the girl goes, (laughs) 6. No, no, I'm sorry. She said 8. And so they show, you know, it was on the the speed round. So they show that only this many people said 8. And it was a few, you know, just a few. Well, the the next guy comes out, and he has the same question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how happy were you on your wedding day? Six, he says. And I just went, oh, man, I feel sorry for him when he goes home because (laughs) that is not a good answer. To be only six on a scale of 1 to 10 of happiness on your wedding day? No, no, 
the best, the, the most popular answer was 10. 10. I want to be 10 happy on my wedding day. Why? Because I'm so in love with the person I'm getting married to. But you know, I was thinking about it in this context. See, Jesus is coming back for a bride. And if we asked Christians, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you that Jesus is coming back? <laughs> right? Four. <laughs> I have a lot of things I want to do. I have, I have a list. I have a bucket list. I want to do all these things before Jesus comes back. No. Ten. Ten is the right answer. So when we put our priorities in place, we get ready. It's like getting your house in order, right? When we focus on praise and prayer and gratitude, we're putting ourselves in the right state of heart and mind to love him in the way that he deserves to be loved, to love him for everything that he's done for us, but just who he is, how wonderful he is. And we're getting ready for when he comes back. And here's another thing. When we focus on praise and prayer and gratitude, we speak faith into the atmosphere. We speak faith for ourselves, but we speak faith for all of those situations that we're going through. And there are people attached to those. People who need him. So we speak who God is. And we need to get our mouths involved. Because God moves on his word. He doesn't move on our thoughts. He moves on his word. So if we're not speaking these things out of our mouth, we're not giving him a place to move. But when we do, when we choose praise and prayer and gratitude, we're planting seeds of faith for our future. Yes. We're planting seeds of faith. Paige sent me a podcast just the other day, and it was awesome, and I encourage you to listen to it. It's Jen Tringale's uh, most recent one, and God gave her a word at the beginning of 2023, and he said this to her. He said, in 2023, speak to seeds buried in the deep and call them to emerge. Call them to emerge. See, it's time for some things to bloom in our lives, but I'll tell you, praise, prayer, and gratitude will bring a flood so that they can be watered and grow. In fact, in verse 6, it says, praising through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also fills the pools with blessing. They go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. I love that. Praise brings the anointing, and it's really like a water. It's like a watering for our life. And so I was thinking about in the spring, I sent Mark a picture because I was watching the news, and I saw the super bloom was happening in California. Do you know about the super bloom? These seeds that have been buried and underground when they got all of that rain began to bloom. And this is what it looked like. These are California poppies that this kid is running through. The hillsides were alive with the sound of music. <laughs> they were full of flowers. And so on the news, they were showing this, and they were saying, we are encouraging people not to walk through the fields of poppies, but everybody was. I mean, they just were. Stay on the path. 
whatever. <laughs> but it was beautiful. And why did it happen? Because the conditions were right. When we focus on praise, prayer, and gratitude, it makes the conditions right for a super bloom in our life. So I had sent Mark these pictures on a text. I was like, look, it's happening in California. It's so cool. It's so beautiful. But you know what? That's what the psalmist is talking about when he says, blessed, happy to be, uh, and blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are those who dwell in your house. Why? Because our lives are full. Our lives are rich. Our lives are colorful. Our lives are not what they should be for what they look like on the outside. It's because of what's going on on the inside. Those seeds that are planted. And I love Psalm 126. It says this, They who sow in tears shall reap in joy and singing. He who goes forth bearing seed and weeping at needing his precious supply of grain for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. See, it's a message of consecration. It's a message of refocusing. It's a message of finishing strong. It's a message of loving him with everything that is in us. It's a message to refocus our hearts and minds on him. And if we have spent our life and time and days on things that were lesser, this is a message to remind us that we can refocus on the greater. This is a message to pull us right back into that place where we make him our number one priority. Matthew tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. Seeking first the kingdom of God is the most blessed place that we can live. And he wants us to live a blessed life. Amen. Well, why don't you stand with me? You know, we always like to... Uh, give people an opportunity to receive Jesus. And we have had so many people receiving Jesus lately. We've had uh, people connecting with the connection cards and uh, saying, I prayed the prayer of salvation today. We've had people saved in our jail ministry. We've had people saved in services, baptized in the Holy Spirit in services. It's been awesome. God is doing things in our lives. Amen? <laughs> you know, we said last year, this time next year, I am hearing so many testimonies about what God has done and how he has brought people into new places. This time next year is here, and God is doing great things. We love him. But if you have not received him, this is your opportunity. So if you're online watching or if you're here in the service, we're going to pray a prayer, and I invite you to pray this all together. And if you pray this prayer this morning, make sure you come up and talk to our altar care workers who will be right up here. They pray with everyone after the service at each service, any prayer requests that you have. But if you pray this prayer, come up. We want to make sure that you get some books that will help you grow, that will help you refocus, that will help you put your attention on him and the wonderful thing that he has done for you in your salvation. Amen? Well, let's pray. Say, Father... I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I know that it was shed for me. It cleanses me of all my sin. I thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you for restoring my life. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. Lead me in truth. Lead me in righteousness. 
Lead me into paths of blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's a good day. <laughs> We're living in the best day. The last of the last days, I believe, but it's the best day. And God planted you here so that you could bloom and you could make a difference. So let's refocus, amen, with praise, with prayer, and with gratitude. Amen. We'll come back tonight. We're going to have a wonderful service. It's going to be a praise and worship service, and we will do exactly that. Pray, prayer, and give thanks to him. It'll be wonderful. All right, say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen.